Corinthians 13, verse 7, and we will get started. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, this time this morning, for each person here, uh, for everyone who made it out. We know it's, it's not easy to get up and go, and, and if there's kids, to get the kids ready, and all that. Lord, we're so thankful for each person that made it here this morning, and God, we pray that you would speak to them, Lord, that you would um, give us all something to uh, go home with, that we'd be so stoked on um, just who you are and, and what you're doing in our lives, and, and we'd be more receptive to listen. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and um, help us to just to fall more in love with you and and uh, and what you're teaching us, your truth, God. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Second Corinthians chapter thirteen. Uh, like I said, starting at uh, verse seven. Second Corinthians thirteen. Verse 7. Paul, last week, had kind of mentioned uh, the need to examine ourselves, to to test, to see if we are really what we say we are, if we really are in Christ. And and there's that's just something that is something we should be doing often, right? Not just to know if you're saved or not, but to know if you're walking in that salvation. So uh, that is a key thing, like search me and know me, Lord. And so he's kind of been encouraging them with that, knowing full well that the church of Corinth has a lot of issues, but they act like they don't. They want to act like everything's good and everything's fine and, and they don't want to address any of them. And so Paul's like, ask God to address them for you. You don't have to hear it from me. Ask him. He'll tell you. He'll show you, uh, which is oftentimes what we do when someone says, I don't know if God's real. Like, what do I do? Like, um, I, I want to believe. I just don't know if I can believe. And you say, well, ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to show himself to you. And that's like saying, like, he will back it up. He will say, he will do it. He'll show you. He'll, he'll make it clear, like, he is who he said he is. And, and he says, ask me, eat, ask, seek, knock. Like, look, and, and you will find I'm here. And so if you want to ask, hey, all these people are crazy, but, Lord, it just by some off chance, if I have issues that I'm not addressing, could you just kind of reveal them to me? Of course, that's opening a whole can of worms, right? Where he's like, oh, actually, there are a few things you're not perfect on. But Paul's saying like, don't even, you don't even have to hear it from me, but examine it yourselves and see if you are who you, who you say you are. And if you are, great. I'm sure there's things God's doing in your life. And if not, if you are disqualified, then absolutely you need to check it right there. And it's an awesome opportunity for you to turn. Like, I'm not who I said I am. I'm not following Jesus. I don't know him. I've, I'm in a religious relationship, but not a, an, a relationship with God. So... He had used that, so it kind of continues on somewhat. But Paul is closing here with the church, and in closing, he's like really wants them to get some things. And he really wants to even share his heart too, remind them of how much he loves them and what he really wants to see for them and from them. Verse 7, Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that we should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. What Paul's saying is like, I pray that you do no evil, that evil doesn't have a place in your heart. That's what I'm praying for you guys, that there would be nothing in your relationship with God that's suffocating the, the life that he is trying to pour into you. 
that there'd be nothing that would be stripping it away or there would be no weeds in the garden that's taking the nutrients of your life. And, and I don't want that for you guys. And so he says, not that we should appear approved. Paul's not about appearances. Again, this is a little bit of a reference to they did appear like appearances. But he says what? But that should, we should do what is honorable. This is a bit of a lost art, right? Doing what's honorable. It, a lot of times it's e- a lot easier to do the thing that looks honorable when the thing that is honorable, there's a good chance no one will ever see. It's a good test of actually where you're at, especially in your relationship with the Lord. If you're willing to do it in front of people and to make a big show about it, then that's a problem. That's an issue. Like that's, that is, means that you're doing it for men. We're, we're right now we're watching a little house on the prairie we just got this, the DVDs of the old show, and I'm sure I'll grow up watching it. But there's an episode in the church where one of the ladies, and there's this, this mean girl, her name's Nellie Olson. She's a bully. You guys know who Nellie Olson is? Okay, she's a bully. And Violet said, if I saw her, I'd smack her. And I'm like, okay, Violet, take it easy, okay? <laughs> but Nellie Olson comes, and she has, she's just trouble, and, and you find out the you know apple doesn't fall far from the tree her mom's totally nuts dad's super nice has no control over his life at all right and she says i think we need a bell at the church right maybe you remember the episode we need a bell at this church and she says and i'll pay for it and the plaque that will go in front of it saying that i donated it and so the people in the church are like uh no 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 you can't put your name on it. This is God's house. Don't put your name on it. And she's like, and so there's this whole issue and I don't want to get all the way into it because I don't want to ruin it for you. The show's from 1973. But basically this, they step up and the kids actually end up helping build the bell, a bell. Like they help this guy, tinker guy. And anyway, build the bell because they don't want her to have her name on it and to make a state. That's not before the Lord. That's before men. And so Paul's like saying, it's not about appearance here, guys. I don't don't care about appearance. You might think I look disqualified, but what's important to me is doing no evil and doing what is honorable. We kind of get some insight into this in from Jesus, Matthew chapter six, verses five through eight. When you pray, Sermon on the Mount, right? When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Meaning, this is, that is all they're going to get. People saying, oh, look how religious they are. Oh, look, at how, look how dedicated. Did you hear those prayers? Oh, I started choking up. It was a dr- dramatic theatrical production. He says that that's the reward in full. Jesus, on the other hand, says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the opposite of what the world sees. And he says, if you really want to enjoy the fruits of the kingdom, then you're going to have to sow into the seed that only God can produce. Like only he can make it grow. Only he can do this thing in you. And, and that's why we're, we're called to be 
attached to the vine. Where the branches attached to the vine. Only he can produce this good fruit. Fruits of the Spirit can't come any other way but through him. You can have things that look like it, but they're not really what, they, what, they, what you say they are. They're painted, they're fake, they're, you know... It's not true. It's not real. So this is saying, like, don't be caught up in, the, in the, what it looks like. Do what's honorable. Don't let evil have a root in your life. And if you're doing this, then it shows that you believe God. If you're doing what he says when no one's watching or when you get no immediate benefit out of it in an earthly sense, then it shows that you believe God. You trust God. It's easy to try and manipulate situations, but it's it's. So much more beneficial to say, okay, God, you do it. And then when he does it, everybody sits back and goes, whoa, that was so cool. Imagine praying in your closet and then God provides. If you've done it, you know that there's nothing like that. You're, you're in awe. You're blown away how good God is. You, you, the thing, that, praying for a soul, you'll bring it up and all of a sudden you see them come to the Lord. Whatever it is. But that's investing into the kingdom, not into the world's way of thinking. You might think we seem disqualified, but we're not. This is, it's a challenge. And it's so, it's so easy for people to be tricked and manipulated by flashing lights, right? Paul's saying, do what's honorable. Follow Jesus. Don't let evil have any root in your life. And he loved these believers. And so he earnestly wanted them to turn from the evil that remained in their lives. That's what he's been addressing. Not because he wants to be higher than them, but because he just wants to see them, we're going to see it in a second here, made complete. He wants to see them be all that they can be in the army reserve. Okay, verse eight. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Here it is again. There's nothing we can do if we're against the truth. The the only power we have as ministers, and that's not a job, that's all of us, as ministers of the gospel, if you belong to Jesus, you're a minister of the gospel. Like you're telling people about Jesus. Like you're you're speaking about who he is and whether you say it with your words or your lifestyle or whatever, it's gonna be obvious that that all the power comes from staying aligned with him. And so that's why when you see even people who are like pastors and they, they go away from the truth, they go to the side of the truth, they lose the power because the power is in the message. The power is in the truth of the gospel, of the good news. So Paul's saying, even us, the apostles who, are, who are, have planted all these churches, we can do nothing against the truth. There's no power against the truth. However, when we're aligned with the truth, we all of a sudden have God's resources. And some of those, obviously we think of God's power, but some of the other things you don't think about all the time is God's peace, God's provision. Like you're staying there where he wants you to be. He's going to take care of that. He's going to be with you. He's going to take, you know, you're going to know he's, that you're walking with him. You can trust all right, Lord, you've brought me here and you've got a good purpose here and you haven't forgotten me, you haven't forsaken me, you're with me. You could do nothing against the truth but for the truth, that's it. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong and this also we pray that you may be made complete. Paul's like, I am happy to be weak in front of you uh, so that we can build you up. 
I, I have no problem with that. In my weakness, I, I watch God use it all the time. But the goal is to build you up. I want to see you built up. And so whatever it takes from me, that's fine. I, I, I'm, it's worth it. It's a worthy investment into you and your lives. Again, example, we could see it with children, our children, right? You're stealing live, you know, years from me right now of my life probably. Probably live longer. I didn't have three children, you know. But it's a worthy investment, right? It's a worthy investment. It's like it's so worth it because of what you get out of it. Like it could take my life and it can be given into three lives. Be invested in that way. So and he says, also we pray that you would be made complete. That whole idea of being complete, you see perfected. Whenever you see that in scripture, it's like complete. Like you're allowing God full access to your life so that he can make you who you're supposed to be. Paul, Paul's ultimate desire for the Corinthians was not to bust them. Again, not to say, told you so, told you so. It was that they would be made complete that they would be able to see it for what it is. And this is, this is one of the hardest things to see in someone around you's life, right? When you go, I just want to see you like thrive. I want to see you do well. I want to see you, I, I don't want to see anything hold you back. And when you see someone letting, allowing something to hold them back, it bums you out. You shouldn't do that. You don't need that in your life. There's a better way. So Paul is like, I, this is the goal. I'm willing to put my life on the line, which he already has. He's, he's invested so much in this church. And even like writing these letters, I'm sure it's like been a painful process and thinking about what he's going to do and now he's going to go back and he's going to visit them. And, but the whole goal of it is that they might be made complete. Verse 10, therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. Again, Paul saying, I'm writing these things to you away so that when I come in person, I'm hoping I don't have to have, be sharp with you. I'm hoping I don't have to lay the lumber on you guys. That's, that's my goal is that when I show up, you'll have heeded these, these warnings and that the church won't be plagued by sin. The church won't be, uh, you know, have, the sin won't have a grip on, on the believers in Corinth where things were just allowed to take place. I'm praying that you guys would get it now. And so when, when I show up, we just have a great time of fellowship. However... I'm willing to come in a sharp tone if I have to. And he says, the authority which was uh, the Lord has given me. But what's the purpose of even that sharp tone? Edification, which is building up and not for destruction. Even if I come and lay the lumber, it is to build you up. That's something that's, I think, really... uh, easy to miss in dealing with people because you go, oh, this person's clearly in sin. Let's smash them. You know, you've hurt me and you're wrong. Let's smash this problem. Like, oh, this is, let's, you know, I need you to know. No, 
the, the purpose and the point in any Christian situation where there's been someone wronged or offended should always be mutual desire for edification, for building up. It should never be a thing where you want to destroy someone. That's like even like in an intervention setting or something like that. You're not coming in and being like, you're the worst, you're the worst. Like that's going to be a big problem, okay? Like that's not what it's about. It's about saying like, we love you. We see a problem. There's something going on here. And, and the reason we're bringing it up is not because we like conflict. If you love conflict, you're, you might not be called to it as much as you think you are. If you do not like conflict, you're probably called to it more than you, th- than you think you are. <laughs> because those that don't like it are coming into it with a lot of prayer and a lot of like um, gentleness and, and like, ah, I know I have a plank in my own eye. I get it. And I know I've got all these faults, but um, this is something I see and the Lord will not let me let it go. I think it's for you. I think you need to know about this. I think there's an issue here and, and it's not because I don't have issues and it's not because you have issues and now I feel better. But if you feel better about making someone else feel bad, you're the one in sin. They might be too, but you're just as much. And please don't bring something up if you're getting joy out of confronting someone or, or this is, look at the heart of Paul. Like this is painful for him, but his goal is not destruction. It's building up, it's edifying even though this church is, has spoken bad about him and, you know, and, and has been really rough on him and, and uh, he's, his whole goal is like, I want to edify you. And I would rather not even have to use the sharp tone. I'm not like, oh, I'm gonna really serve it up to him. I'm open when I show up. We won't have to talk about this in a negative way and we can just enjoy each other. Again, like we said a second ago, for edification, not destruction. He was given the authority to do it, but the authority was to... Uh, build up. That's his point. That's, that's why he's doing what he's doing. He says, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Finally, of course, as he's ending the book, brethren, farewell. That's it's like, I actually read in a commentary that that can be translated rejoice um, in the sense, but he's saying rejoice, become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Become complete. There's an issue here of becoming complete. And I think what's kind of, I think about this with myself even, um, is there's a lot of things that I think I can't do <laughs> like, Oh, that's just, we, we start thinking things that are, that they're part of just who we are. Like, Oh, that's part of my personality. Oh, I, and I remember one of, I was talking to one of my friends and said, you know, oh, I have a bad temper, but I'm Irish. So it's okay. Like, that's just being Irish. You just have a bad temper. Right. And he's, and he says, and he's Irish. And I thought he was be like, Oh yeah, totally. He says, that's not an excuse. <laughs> he's like, that doesn't mean anything. He's like, no, you're not Irish. You're, you're a Christian. You're like, you're created in Christ Jesus. Like that is not who you are. And so it can even be a family lineage. Everyone in my family's like this. So I'm just doomed to go that way. 
Everyone in my family does the same exact thing. Well, you've been taught that there's no way out, but that is not Christian. That is not Jesus. Do we need any better example than the Apostle Paul himself? Talk about a 180 on life. You know, like he, he was going one way and he turned and went completely the other way. And I know there's a lot of you in here who are, have done this yourselves. You were going completely the wrong way and God pulled you out, you turned around and the things that you were are not the things that you are. But there's so many things that we kind of like rationalize and go, well, that's just the way I am. And we think there's no way of changing it. And these are the things we don't even bring up in prayer anymore. Oh, that's just, I'm just hard-headed. It's just part of who I am. And everyone's just got to learn to accept that. Well, we'll be less hard-headed. Like, say, God, work on that with me. <laughs> Do something with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm always late. Okay. Why? What, so what's wrong with you? Like, literally, is there a force field in front of your door? I, I, I'm late a lot. I'm, I'm not like... Believe me, I'm not, I'm trying, working on it, okay? But I kind of just have a thing where I, I'm really bad at estimating time. Oh, I could do all that in 20 minutes. And it's like, no, you can't. It was like an hour and a half. And all of a sudden you look and you're like, oh, no. I was way off. I could not build that in 20 minutes, you know? Or I, oh, it, yeah, I know it, you know, it, this is this is how you know you're in denial. Is you do maps to somewhere, hour and 40 minutes. Be there in an hour. <laughs> Has it ever taken an hour? Like and your map says an hour and 40 minutes. Like I think I'll I think I could do it. I have a feeling that traffic's going to clear. I'll drive 130 and I'll get there. That's that's just like denial, but the f- fact of the matter is is if we ch- we choose to be like that because of things that you've allowed to infiltrate your life and, and ways of thinking, and, and we like to be comfortable, and so we keep doing the same things over and over, and, and to expect a different result without changing is crazy. It's going to keep doing the exact same thing over and over again. So if there's anything in your life you're like, oh, man, I wish I could change that. Why can't you? <laughs> is God not able to change you? Set your clocks early. Do whatever you got to do. Get up 40 minutes before you're supposed to get up normally and then and actually get up then. Like whatever it takes. These are the things like you, you can do this. We can do this. Like God can change it. Everyone in all my, my you know, my dad, my grandpa, they're alcoholics. <laughs> and my dad decided I'm done. Like I, I, I this is, this is like a line thing. We're ending this. And he decided he was over it, and it was done, and it wasn't going to happen anymore. And he started a new tradition. And guess what? Is it in your blood? I don't know. I didn't ever have to find out. (laughs) Because he was able to change the trajectory, and you look at the next generations in the future, God is calling you to be complete for yourself so you can reap all these benefits, but also for everyone around you, including the health of the church you're a part of. And that has something to do with the health of the city you're in and the state you're in and the country you're in. Well, how about one step further? The whole world. Remember, revival starts with one person saying, God, search me, know me, change, change me. I just want you. 
So we say, God, I, um, I'm done telling you you're done working on me. I'm going to say, have access because we want to be complete in him. Ephesians is all about uh, the riches and this, all this great stuff we have in Jesus. Like all these just unbelievable, I mean, even like the whole, the workmanship, we're created for good works. God is, has, he has so many good things planned for us. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14, speaking of the mystery of God which is the gospel, the good news. He says, for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Let's take a look at some of the things that he wants us to have, that we would be able to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that he would strengthen us. These are the things that we can experience when we're allowing God to have all of us. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That it would be, he would dwell in our hearts and that our hearts would be purified. And once your heart's purified, your mouth is purified. Right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It doesn't take long. Someone being nice long enough and you push them, you push them. It won't take long. You will find the end of that like little, you know, perfect little wall that they built. It will come out. Especially if you go on a trip with someone and you bunk with them or something, you know. Sounds like there's been some experience here. I'm going to leave it right there. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. This is what being complete in Christ offers. We, we can be rooted and grounded in love. That's an ongoing thing. All of this is, right? But love would, could be our foundation. Who wants to live like that? No one likes walking around, trying to rip everyone off, feeling insecure and bummed out. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How is it that these disciples are willing to die and be suffer because they're experiencing the love of God. They know the love of Christ and it passes knowledge. Like they, they, they've experienced and it's so much greater than anything that they've ever tasted of. So things start losing their value. Like, so you start seeing the world and you see, that's a cheap counterfeit. Someone acting like there's something cool or whatever, that's a cheap counterfeit. I know the real thing. Now to him, and then he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory uh, in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And that's just it. When we are allowing him to complete us and we're not having, like, God, don't touch that. That thing, that's always been there. That just stays there. It's part, of the, it's part of the house. It just stays there. Don't touch it, you know? Don't move, don't move that picture. It's a different color paint behind that picture. 
We allow these things to stay in our life. We miss out on him doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. And it's not because God isn't willing. It's because we aren't. We put up restrictions. No, not that. Don't touch that. Don't, do, don't deal with that. Don't. No, no, no. That's, nope, that one's just me. Quirky, I know. Just got to deal with it. Everyone's got to deal with it. But that he's encouraging, like, guys, become complete in him. That was, that's like his message, become complete. Don't let this other stuff hold you back. Don't believe the lies that you've told yourself to rationalize that you are complacent. And being complacent and missing, it's like kind of like you're just wasting God's resources, which is your life. For what? To, to avoid dis, the discomfort of changing it? We have to oft ask ourselves that question, right? But he's saying, become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Whenever I think about what Paul's saying to the churches in closing, I think this absolutely applies to all of us, doesn't it? So we can all look at ourselves and say, are we of good comfort? Has God made us of good comfort? Do we trust in the world? Do we trust in him? We trust in him. Fear goes out the window. Perfect love casts out fear. This should be one of the most joyful places in all the land. In the church should be joy. When fear is in the church, the church has, is not worshiping God. Because they don't know that's the wrong God. They're worshiping a very weak God that can't handle anything. We should be full of joy. We should be people who are like, you know, full of comfort because God comforts us and, and he's with us and he knows us. And he understands what's going on around us and he's able to sustain us. Be of one mind. The only way to be of one mind is it to be the mind of Christ. If we try to be all of one mind in here, uh, we're all gonna be of the mind of Dr. Dave. That's not gonna work, right? Not, Not because of any offense to you. It's just not gonna work. You know, like whoever, I, you guys are all like, don't say me. I won't say any more names, okay? He's on the board. He can handle it. Um, but to be of one mind, we, you know, I always like to use the example. We couldn't even figure out where we would all go to eat afterwards. We couldn't even get a restaurant, be of one restaurant. We'd have to go to a, some food court so everybody can go eat what they want. Now we'll have fellowship. But to be of one mind is to have the mind of Christ, to live in peace, to enjoy that place, the living in peace once amongst one another. To live in peace is to live in grace. There's no way around it. You have to have grace for one another. You have to have grace for yourself. And there's gonna be a lot of forgiving to live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He'll be with you. And that's, what Paul's trying to say, don't look at the world to give you what you're looking for. God's got it for you. Just trust him. And he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So here's the thing. That's a cultural thing, you know? And it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's just like, it was like a sign of affection, right? I was going to say, okay, everyone greet everyone with a kiss, but that's just not, that's not really our culture, I guess. But there are people who do that, and it always kind of shocks you a little bit when someone walks up and kisses you on the cheek, and you're like, oh, oh, okay. 
especially when you go to another country and you're like, so I'm not going to do that back. I'm sorry, because that's just outside of my American comfort zone. But this was the thing where it's saying, have affection for one another, like value one another. And he says, all the saints greet you. We're in this together. Another good thing to remember. First of all, we have value. Everyone in here is important. Every single person in here brings something to the table. And if we're all working towards being complete in him, we bring even more to the table. But also to know all the saints, there's other people outside of these walls that are of Christ. That's beautiful. That God is doing a work, not just here, not just in the United States, all over the world and very much behind enemy lines. Some of the most probably vibrant churches are the underground churches where it's illegal to be a Christian because God doesn't care. And he can, his spirit can do it anywhere at any time and he makes himself known to many. And he says that the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. Paul is speaking blessings to this church that's been such a pain to him because he loves them. No one's going to be perfect. Everyone has issues. But our our goal is never to cast out and and throw people away. Be like, ah, no, your problem. I don't want to deal with you. I was uh, watching this thing on um, rehabilitating prisoners. Um, And one of the things this guy had said was, he said, we have to figure out how to bring people back into society who society has had the has had the convenience of throwing away like we've got to figure out how to make them become part of a society and in, and and in a good sense when society says ah oh, we don't really want anything to do with you we've got to figure out how to help them and bring them back in that's what we need to do that's what we're where we're looking that's what we're looking to do to be a part of and to see value where maybe others don't see it. And to see, like Paul, this church, lots of issues, still my brothers. And even more so, that's why I'm giving them such a hard time. If they didn't know the Lord, then I would be like, oh, okay, well, let me help you see the Lord. But it's because they do know he wants them to not live in this way that is stripping all their power. He wants them to receive it and, and experience it, but it's all out of love. I've enjoyed this book. I've enjoyed both of the Corinthians because letters to Corinth, you know, Corinth, because they are so telling of ourselves. And, and honestly, the things we don't want to talk about, the things we don't want to acknowledge as issues. And the first deal is, is issues is, is recognizing it, right? And so that's all the If you have a problem, you got to acknowledge you have a problem. There's an issue. You got to understand and recognize there's an issue. And then you go to addressing it. And how do we do this? Well, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just do it. No, you say, God, here's the issue. Search me, know me, work in me, change me. I want all those things to be in my life. I want to be complete in you. And you start reading his word. You start believing his truth. You don't kick against the goads. When his truth is leading one way and saying, I don't want to believe that truth. You say, Lord, whatever it says, I'm doing. Wherever you ask me to go, I'm going. Because I know there's no other place I'd rather be than right in the center of your will. There's nowhere safer. There's nowhere more full of peace. 
And there's nowhere more exciting than being right in the center of the will of God. So that's to the, to the, you know, to the church of Corinth, and, and it's so very much to the church of Carlsbad or, or the United States, whatever, 2019. Let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll worship and um, close it out here. Lord, we thank you so much for...